This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being. Being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. Trevi Thomas pulls from a deeply personal loss to share insights into the ebb and flow of grief. Her perspective is hopeful and emphatic with a focus on transitions, connections, and simple activities to foster strength. The work offers non-clinical and approachable concepts on grief work while welcoming grievers to participate with writing prompts and meditations. Sharing her most personal thoughts and experiences after losing her husband, Trevi's mission is to offer hope to others who are similarly struggling. Valeria Telly's interviews Trevi Thomas, the author of Companion in Grief, comforting secular messages for the daily journey through grief. Trevi Thomas is a short story and creative nonfiction writer with published work in a variety of literary magazines. Her book, Companion in Grief, is a deeply personal look at grief and loss with inspiration taken from her journals and letters after her husband's sudden death. She hopes that her perspective on grief and healing will bring hope and peace to others who are grieving. Meet Trevi at trevithomas.com. Here is the interview with Trevi Thomas. In your own words, who is Trevi Thomas? Um, I'm a writer. I would say that's the primary, a writer who likes to communicate with people. And that's where my urge to write came from. My first official question to you is about 2020. What insights have you gained from the events in 2020? Insights. Um, It was a surprise to me, I guess, my reaction to it. Um, I've been quarantined like many of us, but even though there are people that I miss and things that I miss, I've enjoyed this cocooning and being free from commitments and obligations and being able to focus my time in the moment as I feel. And hopefully that's taught me when we get past this and life returns to normal, not to um, become an overcommitted person again. That's my hope. What do you think is the purpose of the human experience? Hmm. Quite a question. Um, (laughs) Well, I would say that that is something, of course, I can only speak for myself, what my belief is, um, because none of us really knows. But I think we come to our own understanding through the life experience. And 
For me, the purpose is learning. I feel that I have been presented time and time again with difficulties and opportunities. And it's my choice to either ignore and stay in a place that may be more comfortable, but not one that affords growth. Or I can try to look at it as an opportunity to learn and hopefully move to some next level of awareness that helps me to experience life more fully. It's interesting how I hear over and over the learning, life being school, and also helping others and joy. My next warm-up question has to do with your work and your experience in life or one of your experiences. It might be the most profound ones. From, from my understanding, it might be the deepest pain and suffering that humans can experience, losing someone we love or even losing anything that we attach to. So grief, what is grief to you? And what are some of the greatest lessons you have learned from it? Grief is what we experience as a result of great love. It's, it comes no matter what. All of our relationships eventually end. And so we're all going to face grief if we allow ourselves to love others. And it was a profound experience for me. I had lost, as we all do and as we age, um, I had lost my parents. Actually, I was pretty young when I lost my parents. And I lost, you know, grandparents, step-parent. I lost friends. Um, so I had quite a bit of experience, I thought, with grief at the time that my late husband died. But I was, it was very different experience for me from the others. And I, and I think part of that is because It was someone I shared every aspect of my life with, and I shared a home with him. And his absence was just not forgettable. It was in my face all day long and all night long. You know, there was no reprieve from it. And it taught me how powerful love is. It taught me, my, my husband, late husband had been a widowed himself when we met. And he was so good at love. It was my first good experience in life of loving someone and being so well-loved. And I thought that, that his grief experience had something to do with that, you know, that he understood loss. He understood that everything was temporary and he was going to make the most of it while we had it. And so after he died, I was very aware of that. And I, I felt that I had not been good enough at loving when he was alive, um, as good as he had been. And I think it's because he had that awareness. I love the way you wrote this in the book. You say one of the passages, uh, grief means you allow yourself to feel whatever it is you're feeling. So talk to me for a moment about the stages of grief, as some call, or the healing process. Do we get to a point where we are healed from grief or it's a never-ending process? Oh, um, I've heard people say that they don't like the word healing as it relates to grief and that you never get over it and, you know, that it's just in, inescapable. And I don't take that approach to it. Right. Um, I grieved as hard as anyone can and... I'm in a very different place now. Um, so yes, we do get past it. 
but it takes an effort. You know, it's grieving is an, you take an active role in grief and it's that active role that gets you through it. And I, I do believe sometimes people get stuck for two reasons. One is they're, they're running from the feelings that come up in grief because they're so difficult and painful and they just don't want to feel it. And the second reason I think people get stuck in grief is because they mistake it for a kind of loyalty to the one they lost. Um, and they feel that, you know, it's, they didn't love them enough if they can get past the pain. And, you know, that's to me not what love is about and it's not what our lives are meant to be. Um, grieving is just a natural result of that loss, but it's not meant to be a place that we're stuck in forever. And how did you learn to deal with those feelings, those challenging feelings? Um, I think for me, it was being a writer helped me because um, I was very overwhelmed with the feelings. They just hit me so much harder than I'd ever felt anything, even the other losses I'd had in life. And I just, I was surprised and shocked and uh, uh, ill-prepared really for it. Um, and I was, I sought out help in many places and I was not finding it. And being a writer is ultimately what got me through it, I think, because I wrote letters. I filled journals of letters to my late husband. And that brought me comfort because I felt I could still communicate with him. But it also um, helped me in time to look back. I would read the old pages and see, okay, I am getting a little better. You know, I'm not in that dark of a place anymore. I'm, I'm able to do some things that maybe I didn't feel up to before. And then in addition to the letters, I just was curious about the experience. You know, what what is this? And do my feelings of grief compare to others I know who are grieving? And I just took a lot of notes and about the process of it. And I, I really think that is what helped me. So you wrote, we tend to think of unknown, mysterious places as dark and fearful. But dreams are also other worlds filled with visits to mysterious places we've never been. And there is light in dreams. Maybe there is light in death, too. Beautifully written. So my question is, what is the meaning or what is the light meaning of death to you? Well, I feel a continued presence uh, from my late husband, I have dreams still, and and I believe that even though we can't know for sure that the the love connection survives death, yeah. and that they communicate with us in whatever way they're able, and in whatever way that we are capable of receiving those that communication. And so I believe that the way that he communicates with me is is filled with light and joy and laughter. I believe that he's led me to a new place in my life that's happy and is happy for me to be here. And, and I'm hopeful that I'm right about that. And I'm hopeful that when it's my turn, that I will experience something as beautiful as it seems wherever he is. I have to ask you this question. I know it's not connected to spirituality. Mm -hmm. So, although everything is spiritual to me. <laughs> so, my question to you, were you ever curious to um, have a session with a medium or somebody who could 
confirmed that in a way. Not that there is life after death, it's actually life after life. We never die. I have been curious about it a few times. Um, th there are some programs on television now where, you know, they, they're featured. Um, it seems like it would be a fun thing to do. Um, and yes, I'm curious about it. I haven't done it. And I think part of the reason why I haven't is because it, it feels sort of like a third party, like an intrusion into a conversation I'm already capable of having, mm, I feel. Right. So I feel the connection there and, and I feel like it would be kind of a strange thing to do, actually. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> From that perspective, yes, it make a yeah. makes a lot of sense. You're already making that connection yourself. So, right. yeah. And it's very personal, that experience. Exactly. For sure. Yeah. My last warm-up question is about freedom. What is freedom to you? What is to be free? I would say health really has is the basis of that, physical health. You know, when you're ill, your capacity to appreciate and enjoy so many things is limited. You know, I've had some health issues. I've been fortunate mostly, but I do have, um, I have scoliosis and it's gotten worse over the years. And so physical activity is crucial to um, keeping me moving and mobile. I know some people who have it that are in much worse condition than I am, even though technically they're not worse. Um, so I worry about that. I think I worry about that with the idea of aging ahead too, like how will I be limited physically as we age? Um, because your physical movement is everything. It's allows me to to make choices and what I'm going to do during the day, where I'm going to go. You know, that that's to me is the ultimate freedom. So you wrote the book, Companion in Grief, Comforting Secular Messages for the Daily Journey Through Grief. Um, I have one initial question for you, Trevi. What was the intention when you wrote the book and also the process? How was it like? Uh, the intention was to take the notes that I had made, just observing my own grief process, and see if I could put them together in some way that might help others. There's something about helping other people that helps to heal us, I believe. And I felt that it was so hard to get help when I was grieving, the right kind of help. Many people supported me, but speaking with people who ha had been through it, And especially those who were in it now, while my feelings were strong, um, that was really helpful to me. I just, I wanted to know. Sometimes I would call someone who had also lost her spouse that I had met in a support group and say, you know, I'm experiencing this weird thing that I, I'm afraid to walk back in the house when I get home. You know, is this something that you've noticed? And they would know just what I meant. Whereas if I spoke to somebody who was not in it, hadn't been through it, they would worry. Are you okay? Do right. you need help? You know, right. and, <laughs> and I just really wanted um, to share with another person. And so I felt that if I could take my experience and write it in that way so that each page is something different on a different subject of it, it's because your attention span is so short when you're grieving that it would help someone who has was going through the same thing. Yeah, and it certainly 
does. I can see that. It's very healing to read your book. I have not been through grief. I think the closest was my ex-husband, but he died. Um, I was already, I think, apart from him, probably eight, seven to eight years. So Mm -hmm. I I had not been in communication, but it's still, there was an interesting experience because the connection we had, it's incredible. And I still have the feelings. I still can feel his presence. I can only imagine, yeah, losing somebody unexpectedly that is with you um, with every day. I can't imagine, but it's really unimaginable, isn't it? Yes, it is. It, okay. That's how it feels, just shocking. Preparing, it's not something that we can do, right, Travi, too. Is that possible to prepare to lose somebody we love? I don't think that you can prepare for that. No, I think that the best we can do is try to be as mentally and emotionally healthy as possible and, you know, meditate, learn to do that, learn to manage your feelings, I think, because... Mm getting you through grief means you actually have to be willing to feel the hard parts. So being brave will help you with that. Speaking of pain, in one um, passage in your book, you say falling back into pain is in fact a part of the healing process. Mm -hmm. So do we fall back or did you fall back into the same kind of pain or it was always different? Um, I I think what I meant by that was um, that getting through grief was not a linear process. There would be days where it would be really hard and really dark. And then I'd have a day where things were a little lighter, a little easier. I felt a little more normal. And I would think, okay, I'm making progress. I'm not going to be in this hard place forever. And then two days later, I would be right back in the horrible darkness again um, and that happened over and over and over again. And, and I spoke to some of the other women that I knew who were going through it. And we all agreed on that, that that's how grief was. You think you've, you've got a trick up your sleeve for getting through it quickly just because you're having a reprieve from it. And then you're shocked back into the reality of the pain of grief again. So I don't know that when you're in the worst of it, I don't know that you can compare so much levels of pain when it's early, especially because it's all awful when it's bad. It's just a strong, horrible feeling. But once you get through what I would call is the worst of grief and, and you're living again and you're on the other side of it, I think this is why people say you don't get over grief, like right now even. Um, I still have memories of that grief. I have something that will trigger how I used to feel then. But it is not anywhere near the depth of pain that you go through in the dark part of it. So I would say you can compare that. I mean, I have more good memories now and treasured experiences than I ever do dark pain at this point. I still miss that person. I, you know, I always will. But, you know, the pain does, it goes away. It did for me. Wow. You have a page. I should have had the, the date, but I didn't write it down, the date. It's a page where you talk about death is a part of love. Mm-hmm. I love the way you wrote this. Death is a part of love. You didn't say a part of life. 
is a part of love, and it is. And you say, within that page, you say, we boldly choose love, knowing full well that it will be shadowed by death. Mm -hmm. So when was that moment? Was that a moment of understanding when you came to this realization that death was part of love? Or it was also a process? Well, after... I got to a point where I started to feel like I was living again um, towards the end of the grief. I realized how valuable that experience of love had been to my enjoyment of life. It, it was a big part of it, the biggest part, really. And I made the decision that I didn't want to continue to spend the rest of my life alone. Having known that kind of joy, I wanted it again. And... Um, I decided to seek out love again. And that it was a little tricky, that part of it, because I knew that there was a chance that falling in love again meant that I would have to go through the grief process again. Yeah. Um, and so I am today remarried and um, I married someone who'd also been widowed. It's actually... I, I can't say I planned it that way, but I, I was very open to meeting a widower because I had the same feeling of hope that, you know, maybe he'll be as good at loving because yeah. he's had this experience. And so I, I came into this fully aware. I would say that was probably the time when I made the decision to love again is, is really when I thought about that, that loving again means death. It, ultimately, that's, that's what's going to happen. I don't know whether it will be me or him first. Um, most likely one of us, though, will be left behind again and having to live through the experience. But even knowing that, I fully, well, wanted to choose to love someone again. It's just the best part of life to me. You also said something uh, incredibly beautiful. You say in your book, you say, when someone we love dies before we are prepared, we come to grief unexpectedly. And then you said, maybe it is also possible to grow out of grief in unexpected ways. Did that happen to you? It did. The, as I mentioned before, the little moments that I had where I would have a good day in the midst of the bad ones, those were little gifts, I think. And they were steps on my way to healing so even long before I was at a place where I would say I'm as healed as I'm going to be, I had gifts of healing along the way. And that was unexpected. Moments of laughter, even though I felt miserable, you know, uh, looking forward to something again, even though I was crying most of the time. Those were, were small gifts of remembering what it was like to live life fully and without so much pain. And that was definitely unexpected. Another message that I hear from you is that it seems to be perhaps important or, or helpful to be around people who have had the same experience and even choosing the next partner, if we choose to, <laughs> and that has been through the same experience. Am I getting that message uh, correctly? Yes, absolutely. Um, one of the things that led me to write this book actually was that all the books I found on the market uh, when I was first grieving were clinical from a clinical perspective. 
And I didn't find help that way. I got help through people who had been through it themselves and sharing, you know, our, that's our, our common bond is humans. That's, that's how we support each other is sharing what we learn, I believe. True. Yeah. So that's highly healing. Yeah, I agree. Yes. There's something else you wrote. I have so many here, not enough time <laughs> to go through everything, but you wrote, while your pain is undeniable, the sense of owning or losing a person is an illusion. Even children don't belong to us. It is not up to us when they will enter or leave our lives. But you can call upon the presence of your lost loved one anytime you wish. And this is uh, under uh, presence. Uh, this is the, that page. So talk to me about this uh, calling upon the presence of the person you, you have lost. Is that a ritual, a kind of practice or happens spontaneously? You know, to me, um, it's like prayer, how some people have a vision in mind of what they're praying to. And I don't mean religious prayer. I'm not a religious person. Um, but that's how it sort of happened for me. I just would reach out in pain and ask for help. And, and I would envision his face. I would envision his voice and all the, the comforts of his, the physical presence I had known before speaking back to me. I, I just felt I could hear it. And that was enormously comforting to me. So it is a practice in a way, right, Travi? It is. It's, I guess it wasn't, it's not so much intentional as it is. Uh, it just comes up spontaneously. Let me read this other passage that I read in your book, beautiful. You say, your thoughts might also feel stained by this grief experience so that your perspective of joy is now different. So I'm wondering if, how could the, the perspective or experience of joy change? Because it sounds to me like it's one, it has just one, uh, let's say, flavor or one mm. quality to it. But uh -huh. yeah, how can joy have different perspectives and be different? I think what I looked for then when things were difficult was I ha it was a an effort to find any joy right. during the grieving process. But I needed the relief from it. I was tired of always feeling so dark. So for me, I would I would sit on my porch and I would look out in the yard. And if a bird happened to land within my view, that was joy for me that day. Um, I guess you would say that I reduced my expectations. You know, it wasn't to have I wasn't going to have a partner walk through the door yeah. and share my day with. But I saw a bird that day and I sat outside on my porch and I had a porch. I had a home. You know, I just I was looking for moments of gratitude, I guess, really is what it was. Um, that's what replaced big joy for me during those times. And that was enough. I, it was too much to ask for anything bigger at that point. So I do have those ending questions. But before I ask them, would you like to add anything or read a passage in your book? Um, you have read so much of it that uh, <laughs> I think we're probably in good shape there. But thank you. Thank you, Travi. What was the hardest lesson to learn about yourself in life as of today? I would say that I struggle for perfection. And it took me a while to understand really what that was because I didn't feel very perfect at anything. 
Um, even writing the book was difficult because I, I worried that, you know, I wasn't a clinician and that seems to be where people look for answers when they're struggling. But I, I knew inside that I had something to share. And so I did it anyway. And that's what I've, I've come to learn is that I have to overlook the tendency to want to be perfect to the point that I don't allow myself to share with others or to experience life as fully. My next ending question is, if you knew you would die soon, meaning losing the body, would you make any change in your life or do anything in a different way? I think I would do more if I could. Mm -hmm. um, but no, I don't have uh, regrets to, in the way that I'm living today. I think, and that was a, the biggest gift of grief, is that it taught me just to appreciate the moments that we have because they're all temporary. And my last question is, what are three things about life you know for sure as of this moment? Well, that it ends as we know it, that we should grab onto love anytime we can because it's the most important part of living and that our lives improve with kindness towards others. Oh, wow. Thank you so much, Travi, for your work, your beautiful work, compassionate work, your beautiful presence. I have to use that <laughs> word again. <laughs> and wow. Yeah. And your wisdom. I love your wisdom. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for what you do. Where can we find more information about you, your books, products, services, and future projects? Uh, you can find my website at trevithomas.com. And I am on Facebook under Companion in Grief, the name of the book. And you can find me at uh, Twitter and Instagram at Trevi Thomas. Wonderful. Thank you so much again. And we'll talk okay. soon. Thank you. Bye for now, Trevi. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Trevi Thomas and her work, please visit trevithomas.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now. <laughs>